Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Buckle Up podcast with Mike <laughs> and Ami. This is officially episode one. We did one of these in quarantine on the hopes of doing a whole series. And what happened? I think we did two. We had a special guest, one of them, and I believe it did not get recorded. Is that what happened? Well, we started one. It was just the two of us. And the second one, we had a guest and we, we were so new to Zoom that I left it on speaker view the whole time. Yeah, so I the entire that, yeah. episode is just a close-up of our guest. <laughs> so as we're talking, she was just like... So that was the whole entire uh, that was the whole entire episode, and that was a problem. And that, that and then we canceled one. The next week, we said we were scheduled to do one, mm-hmm. and we said, "Why don't we just do it next week?" But I knew. What did yeah. I say at the time? I forgot. I said like, "Remember, like, we why don't we just reschedule for next week?" Yeah, I, I think I said, "Let's just do five minutes." Yeah, because we both know what's going to happen, and then exactly what we thought would happen happened. Yeah. So the lesson was that when you're building those habits, especially in creative endeavors, um. If you don't do it for like what ninety days straight, there's like a sweet spot. It it doesn't become a habit, yeah. and that's what happened. I said if that's we, exactly what I happened. said at the time, Michael, if we don't do this next one, it's over. And you're like, no, 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 we'll get back on it. And well, I, I was I like, I think it was me who wanted to do it. Oh, maybe me. So maybe I'm, I'm not blaming yeah. you. I might have been guilty of it too, yeah. saying, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, but it, if you don't I make the priority you. to do it, yeah, it just. Well, that was during a time also when it felt like time was limitless during the the pandemic. Yeah, where at any point of the day, no matter when it was, you could like make time for something, which means you'll never do it. Yeah, that's too. That's why I got fatter, and. Uh, there were people who got in shape during the thing, but they pissed me off. Yeah. Also, I think what happened is uh, we both lost people close to us. Right. <laughs> I think yeah. I think we were joking around about COVID and analyzing <laughs> it, and then my grandmother died, and my and uncle, uncle died, died, and it was and it was less fun. <laughs> Honestly, I, I remember the next happened. week we were ready to like, okay, you want to talk about it? And we were like, that we went in being like, COVID's crazy. Can you believe people are dying? And the next week we were like. Hey. <laughs> That's 100% yeah. true. It yeah, got it serious, got, it so got it was hard to kibitz. Very quickly. It was hard to be kibitzing about it. Yeah. Um, I remember driving back from Brooklyn to New Jersey. The roads were completely empty. Mm-hmm. And I called you to tell you my grandmother died. And you were like, I think my uncle is uh, is not doing too well either. I was like, yeah, Michael, hey, we doing this? You're like, um, so my grandma. But it wasn't COVID from your grandmother, right? We don't no, know. we don't know, but right. it was. We don't know, but it was. Right. She was like a very healthy with it 90-plus-year-old woman. And a yeah. week later, it's uh, funny. she wasn't with us. I mean, it's not funny at all. I can't believe I said that. Um, no, I remember when the, the whole COVID thing was happening, the first episode we did, like the Zoom one, the pilot tester, we were talking about how isn't this weird that usually these big stories in the news don't ever become real life? Yeah. They, like, they never become these real things. They're just like these distant stories. And then with the exception of what, 9-11 or these massive events, like we didn't think COVID was that. We thought it was just a random, oh, SARS. I remember SARS. It was a story. Right. It wasn't something that ever affected our lives, you know, and we're just like privileged because of that. But it, it was happening in the world, yeah. but it was just a happening. And COVID started that way, and then it became a uh, right. became a thing, and then it literally was as close to home as possible as we actually were knowing people, and then it was hard to kibitz about. Yeah. It's fun to joke about other people's tragedies for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, a year ago, if someone would have... <laughs> it's well, very strange talking this close, isn't it? We're going to have to get used to that or get a bigger table. I think we're going to um, have to get a bigger table. Yeah. Um, if at that point, you know, whatever, three, four weeks in, someone would have said, but, you know, when they have a vaccine and everyone who gets it gets it and no one's dying anymore, 
things will go back to normal, right? I'm so confused about all of that. It just hasn't. It hasn't. It just hasn't. Well, I so I'm suspicious on both ends because I got vaccinated. I there was a time when Trump was the president, and it was his mission to save us all from this. The whole narrative on the left was distrust of the vaccine efforts. Trump was like, we got a beautiful vaccine. It's coming. No one trusted that they could do it this fast. It was like, I'm not taking it if they ask Kamala Harris. I'm, I'm not taking it if uh, if Trump says to take it. So, And then when Trump lost, and that was shocking to everybody, I think, left and right, just like when he won, it was a shock. It was equally a shock that he lost um, just because it seemed like there was much more energy on his side and like the fans were much stronger on his side and Biden people were uh, like, you know, hesitantly like, fine. He'll, he'll do. But once he lost, I think his side felt this really deep betrayal and ascribed an illegitimacy to the um, to the new administration. So everything associated with them and all of their suggestions as far as vaccines go were no longer trusted. I feel like I feel like southern states and Trump real Trump supporting states would all be getting vaccine would all be getting vaxxed if Trump won and it was all his victory and mm-hmm. they could be a part of that. I think that's what it is. I don't know if it's I don't think it's a science anti science thing because they jump back and forth on that all the time. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I was thinking the other day if uh, I got the vaccine and Sarah got the vaccine, but if they made, if there was some sort of mandate, for, if like our daycare said, you know, your one-year-old has to get a vaccine, I don't think I would give it to her. Right. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't think uh, it would be irresponsible not to. And I love this idea that um, it's so funny. The, like, I'm, I'm, I think there are, for adults who, uh, you know, I have I, everybody has their judgmentalisms ac- across the board, but like I got COVID after getting the vaccine and I was in much better shape than people I knew who didn't get it. And if you just look at the numbers aside, if it, it's kind of easy to see apolitically that the vaccine's effective and is working and it's probably not risky. At the same time, it is an impossible statement to say, are we frozen? No, it's an impossible statement to say we know it's safe and effective yeah. for 30 years down the road because it is new. Yeah. So because it's new, it carries with it risks, I would imagine, and I'm not right. an expert, that Noah, that, that mumps, measles, rubella don't, and right. polio doesn't. It's not quite the same thing. Being anti this vaccine, not anti, being, being suspicious or hesitant yeah. about this vaccine is more understandable than other vaccines. Yeah. At the same time, vaccine science, if you look into it, I, I've, I've watched like interviews on the Lex Fridman podcast. Do you know who that guy is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had this biologist or virologist on who was explaining why, you know, and he made he was giving all the sensible points and not being judgy mm-hmm. about people's decisions. He was like, listen, I think if you want to get the vaccine, you should probably get the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, that's your decision too. He was like that. But, I, but he was just saying like, there's never been a case where a vaccine 30 years later like turned everyone into zombies. It hasn't happened. That's not uh-huh. how vaccines kind of work uh, biologically, scientifically, which made me feel better because I had my own hesitancies too, thinking it is yeah. brand new. And if there is ever a case where an I am legend situation that you always talk about yeah. with me, conspiratorially, what happened? It's like, why did we all just listen to the government? Yeah, a cousin of mine, uh, I mean, he's like uh, my father's first cousin. I guess he's my first cousin once removed. Yeah. Um, he is a doctor. And I brought up ivermectin to him, mm-hmm. um, and and he was telling me about it. He was like, you know, just very like indifferent about it, which was like a nice opinion to hear. Mm-hmm. And then we, the the issue of vaccines came up, and he said the first person, if the if the vaccine was problematic, we would know by now. Mm-hmm. And his reason was interesting. He said because they started giving the vaccine, like let's say in like January. December, January, to like to January. the first people. Let's say um, for. Uh, let, let, let's let's say the, the vaccine turns someone into a zombie um, in 20 years. 
there's going to be a, a very, very small percentage of people who it turns into a zombie right away. Like they're extremely sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. If that, if, if, if that it was, was going to turn to someone to a zombie, those small percentage of people would already be zombies and we'd know that there's a problem, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. And it was a better answer than like, oh my God, are you anti-science? Right, right. Which right. I hate, which is all the, uh, everything on the left is always, if you slightly disagree or have a question, you're anti-truth. Right. It's like, no, truth has arrived at through discussion and hacking away, but the certainty that you find, especially on the left, when it comes to points that they believe in, the certainty is, yeah. is, is uh, obviously I think probably the right is, is guilty of it too, but you do get this righteous sort of indignation mm-hmm. idea about it, especially when before Trump won and it was his crusade, then they were very skeptical mm-hmm. of it. And then, right. and then, um, uh, but at the same time, yeah, for kids, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm pro vaccine and it's personally, but I would never mandate it either. And what a right. recipe for disaster. To like, I don't know. I thought everyone was pro-choice with their bodies. Right. The difference here, also, no one has an honest conversation about it because you're like, yes, people on this conversation say, I thought you were pro-choice, gotcha. But at the same time, um, at the same time, we're talking about a virus that's potentially contagious. So it's not like abortions, con- it's not like a pregnancy is contagious. Mm-hmm. So they are different categories. The reason people are want, are okay with mandating, and I'm not, but the mm-hmm. reason they are is because they really believe in the in the negative externalities of covid right but at the same time i'm so over it yeah, dude. i'm so fucking <laughs> over it because the goalposts have just kept getting moved from the beginning yeah which makes you think like what is this about what are we trying to get to the standard has become impossibly high it's like we need to have a germ-free society right. no oh well so if people have forget what questions to ask now i'm only concerned with Who's sick and dying and who's not? Yeah. Not who's positive and not who's negative. If you're vaccinated, you can't make the claim that the vaccine's safe and effective, and yet we're still all in danger. <laughs> right, right, and that's I think, and I think the more people make that argument, the more legitimacy they lose. Exactly, um, and just the, uh, and also like ivermectin stuff when they go claiming that when the CNN headline is Joe Rogan takes horse medication. Yeah, that was then like, that makes me say okay, ivermectin probably works. Yeah. Immediately, because if yeah. you lie, you're hiding something, or yeah. you're not. You're not and saying he took. A, I'm not approved. You know, it's so uh, blatantly. They're not even pretending to be misleading. And there anymore. was no follow up from those journalists of like, um, you know, He's a vaccine denying, uh, horse tranquilizing person. It gets better in three days. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, <laughs> um, there's been that. Have you followed the yeah. Sam Harris, Brett Weinstein? You know those guys. They've like having like. I'm very sick of the Weinstein's. Yeah, generally. Why? You like, sound like Tim Dillon. I sound like... What are, no, you, yeah. what are they doing? Keep... What do they do? It's just... <laughs> it's just... Eric Weinstein, what has he made? <laughs> What's he done? He definitely turned me off against them. Um, Tim did. Tim did. Generally speaking, <laughs> I mean... I, I have the same problem I think I have with Jordan Peterson, where there's... The, it, mm-hmm. They... Don't they they don't seem to want to change things. They just want the power that they weren't given themselves. They don't want like the people. <laughs> they don't want the structures to change. They just want to be leading them because they think they're smarter than everyone else. And and also they're just so um, they're they're so self. You're talking about Jordan too, or you're lumping him in? Jordan. Well, Jordan. Yeah. Well, Jordan. Well, no, that part I think are just the wine signs. The uh, the the guy, the ivermectin guy, Brett. He, I mean, he just has so much self-interest in all the stuff he goes about, like talking about. He's like, you know, clearly his 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 financial future depends on building an audience for himself. So everything, Here's my everything question, he says though. is a little bit suspect. Here's my question: How come you're so inherently suspect of people's intentions? You always assume there's. Because Tim Dillon un- told me to. 
cuts him out. <laughs> it's just, I mean, Tim Dillon, you can make the argument. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, shout shouts to Tim. Shouts to Tim. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. He wants to build an audience too, so maybe he wants to be anti everything. But he, I think yeah. he actually believes that stuff. No, and I'm, I think Brett believes the stuff he says too, and certainly Jordan. Yeah. And I, the fact that it is popular, I think you're. It's, it's like a chicken and egg thing. Yeah. The fact that what Jordan believes and is propagating is yeah. resonating doesn't mean that Jordan is saying certain things to resonate. No, it doesn't necessarily mean or that. Or Brett or Eric. I think I just mean the feel. I used to have very positive feelings towards all those guys, yeah. and they've just soured over the last little while. Um, right. And, I, I, the and problem with Eric is he doesn't speak English. He speaks like. Right. He, he speaks in a way that <laughs> he just overcomplicates the English language unnecessarily. Uh, yeah. Not in a way that it kind of impresses me. It's, it's like if we're sitting here having a conversation, yeah. he's like, he would call this not a podcast, he would call it. You know, interge- this is we, we, what we need to focus on is uh, the intergenerational um, uh, mind congruence that yeah. takes place within the confines of physical structures in which we can use tools and technology in order to congregate ideas and have them meld right. to create a new bright future. He's the guy. You mean have a conversation? Yeah. <laughs> Jordan does that too in a funny way, but when Jordan does it, it's actually poetic and like I find like really beautiful the way he uses language, and it's like wow, it makes you it shines like yeah. it adds real depth. And Eric yeah. seems to do it because he doesn't know how to speak English yeah. like a human being. Brett, I think, is an interesting guy. Brett talks, you know, uh, with Ivermectin. <laughs> you seen his podcast? Yeah. Uh, I, Brett, I've, I've done a few bits. Yeah. Um, uh, so we need to be very careful because him yeah, and Heather Heyer are always kind careful. of. Now, we need to be very careful. Uh, I took half of Viagra mixed with Ivermectin, and not only was it. Uh, doubly dangerous but it was also not as harmful as you would think i got hard and i did not get covid um but and heather i was like yeah that's interesting i saw you had a raging semi when you came in so the vested interest part i mean i kind of i don't know maybe my my, my natural instinct is to say these people are are passionate about what they do yeah and i'm props to them for getting a dark horse podcast following yeah. and it, uh, it's not an intellectual thing i think it's just like an animal instinct of when i see them you just get exhausted I, by it oh I, this guy i'm, I'm just a little skeptical of it like i don't i don't quite trust everything they're saying er, er, do also, you trust that they believe what they're saying that's different yeah yeah i do okay. I, I, I do believe that i think they're saying and i mean eric weinstein really opened my mind to a lot of things and i think yeah. he's brilliant and, and and pretty awesome mm-hmm. um he also he also kind of fails to mention all the time that he's like he's I think he's like fabulously rich, of course, and like powerful. Peter Thiel, like or yeah, whatever. and like um, like as a VC, and like he just sort of doesn't talk about that. Like you know, I don't know. I think that's kind of strange that he doesn't mention how rich he is. Yeah, or like that that he's very much in the class of people that he's um, criticizing a little bit criticizing. Yeah, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure he could argue against me and just run circles around me, but that's like my gut feeling about it. Or he might he might like play double play chess with you and be like. What you're saying is actually absolutely accurate, and it's because of this. It's because <laughs> of the stature wrong. that I've achieved that have have forced me to turn the mirror on myself. When yeah. I'm talking to my audience, right. I'm talking to an avatar of myself that I've technologically constructed. So mm. I think we all need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, "What?" He's the guy in school that just sits in the back and reads, and is just yes, so I, yes. so smart. Oh, he, there isn't. I, I get the villainous quality of Eric Weinstein, not Brett as much. But no, I don't, I don't think it's villainous. I, ju- I just don't think they're immune to the things they're railing against. I think, I, I think at this point, they probably they're probably as suspect as some of the people they're talking about. Not as suspect, no. but but I, I don't. I think, disagree. I don't you think know why? Because they don't the... actually have power over anybody. All they have is ideas. The difference between them and the things they talk about institutionally and governmentally is they're and they as long as they're power. on the side where they don't have they're not seeking they're not running for office. I, I I think their whole complaint is the wrong people have power. 
we, maybe we, as a solution like us should have power yeah but they're not they're not saying give me power they're giving they're not saying give me but that i think that's the uh, but i guarantee you i think i think if, if eric weinstein was offered the senate the the to be on the armed services committee yeah. he would say no i'm not even talking about governmental i mean like um, influence he, he wants you're to saying be influence. like the chair of his department in whatever academia uh, thing he was kicked out of you think so you i think he think carries so. the sour grapes i, do think, I think he's so. grateful to have gotten out of this cesspool of anti-intellectualism like i feel like he he feels way above that now than he than he then as opposed to trying to get there you know he left this sort of like anti-intellectual life like he was forced out he was but uh. the reasons for him being forced out are, were probably meaning that it clearly was an anti-intellectual place yeah. and now where he's in is a far better position than like trying to like get back to some chair of some or uh, well i'm gonna murder both of them and that's <laughs> not... <laughs> can't say that on youtube can't say that like you can't say that on youtube uh, probably not Can you it's a joke um, i don't know that's we don't want to get flagged <laughs> on our joke. very first ca- pod um <laughs> I love all those guys. I love the whole, but what what saddens me is seeing like even members of the IDW, Sam Harrison, like getting into these. You don't know how much of it's manufactured. Like, is there real beef between a Sam? There was a time when they were all sort of on one side in terms of being into ideas, mm-hmm. but then now in COVIDness and all this other arguments about ivermectin and stuff, like Brett has sort of carved himself out, has gone a little rogue, and he's getting criticizing. Mm-hmm. But then like that has influence on Rogan, who's kind of this amazing force within yeah. it all and like all, this glue within it all it all goes kind of through joe rogan through the culture and it's very it's fascinating because he's made all these intellectuals yeah, relevant right and he's it, turned them into pop stars and it's amazing seeing these dorks hang out with these extremely cool guys who would yeah. have nothing in common yeah. otherwise it's really joe rogan joe rogan <laughs> yeah put, joe no. rogan used to have brett and sam and everybody right, here talking right. about ideas but, but even the tim dylan and eric weinstein beef is because like tim dylan's really cool and fun and Weinstein's not right, and like they shouldn't be hanging out at all. The beef and is that's hilarious. what happens yeah, when yeah, you put yeah. those two people together. He's like, these guys are on Clubhouse for forty hours, a, forty <laughs> hours a day. What are you doing? What do you do? Do you have to do anything? Do you have jobs? <laughs> he shared one of my invitations. Yeah, that was yeah. really fun. That was great. He's like, this guy's good. I'm a huge Tim is. You introduced me to Tim Dillon. Yeah, his Patreon, if you're not subscribed yet, is you should go check out. He doesn't necessarily need you. He's doing very well. He's doing fine. Good for Tim. Well, he had a whole. Uh, he did an appeal this week. If everyone increases their monthly pledge, pledge from five to a hundred, yes. he could buy the house that he wants. <laughs> <laughs> did he? I saw a tweet from Ben Avery, his producer, that yeah. said like last yesterday's episode wasn't good because you're a patron. Was there a oh, weed yeah, episode a, that was yeah, bad? They did a, a, a one on uh, with a weed entrepreneur he's friends with and apparently yeah why got, was it bad i thought it was interesting i don't know they, got, why, they responded to the comments i think 600 people commented and said it was bad so they did a like a bonus one to make up for it because people just didn't like it or did it not go well as thought, a conversation I think they thought i think he kind of brought the guy on as an example of the kind of douchebags he makes fun of okay but he wasn't making fun of him he was sort of actually interviewing him because he's a friend right. and right. people were like what are you doing? Uh, you're this talking outside you. your mouth. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I didn't see it. I think it was just for patrons to watch. It wasn't on YouTube. I looked. Just f- yeah, it was just yeah, it's just on Patreon. Yeah, but you're a patron of. Uh, he's the of he's the only one I do. Oh, good. Yeah. I haven't done anybody yet. Yeah. I'm, Feels we'll makes me see. feel like a good person. I get it. I think it's the future. Yeah. I love the idea that the independent creator, artist, musician, comedian, like the gateway is down. Um, the gatekeepers are down. It's very cool. It's super cool. It takes a ton of work. It's very cool. What I've learned in my um, sort of like journey over the last 18 months is that, uh, build, that you know building the audience yourself, it takes so much work, but that's the only barrier is the amount of work you're willing to put in. Once you find what kind of is working, that journey to find what sure, can click, sure, yeah. that's also an, uh, its own hustle. But not everyone but, um, has something. I, I, I include myself in this, or maybe I don't know how to say it. But not everyone has something so unique to say that 
the only barrier is work. You, you, you have to find out what you want to say first. Uh, and you have to find an audience. We are going to arrive at a big – here's a fundamental – we're arriving at a fundamental crossroads here in our philosophical outlook. Before we do that, we should probably tell the folks who the hell we are. Sure. <laughs> Why don't you, uh, you want to go first? Um, I'll tell people who you are, and you'll tell them who I am. It's easier that cool. way, I think. I think right? it, yeah. Um, so this is the Buckle Up podcast. Thank you, guys. If you've been watching up until now, then you're very patient with us. It's our very first real episode. It's not even real. Look at the background. We're in my new studio here. I just moved from Los Angeles. I was living there for 10 years pursuing my music career, which, thank God, some stuff happened. I have some music on TV and film and commercials. Wait, I'm talking about you, though. Um, but anyway, I just well, arrived from about how you got here. And that's yeah. how I got here. Anyway, yeah, I, was doing, I do music for film and television and all these other things, which Michael can talk about in just a minute. But um, I've been back here now for a few weeks, back on the East Coast. I'm native to New Jersey, so I'm now back here. And um, um, what was I going to say? You say who I am. Oh, I'm going to say who Michael is, right. So this is now our first episode in my new space over here. Michael Weber is a brilliant mind, a clever baby. <laughs> a brilliant mind we've been friends for many 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 years since high school days we're now in our mid-30s um there are some people that you grow apart with time and michael and i are one of these people who grow closer with time we just take it from where we left off with nothing in between i said something nice there michael i said something sweet nice. <laughs> Thank you. but but um we've always been on a very similar wavelength in terms of the way we look at things and we have our disagreements but even the disagreements are on the same page if that makes any sense so uh, Michael is uh, has a lot of gifts uh, in the, of the mind in the way he uh, views the world. He is a writer and has a ton of ideas and a ton of interesting things to say. And I've been trying to drag those things out of him for a long, long time. So I'm hoping, through, hoping through this podcast we can do that. And uh, we're about to get into that portion of our philosophical disagreements on creative output. But in the meantime, that's Michael Weber. And uh, um, he makes makes some film stuff, and he does some writing work, and you'll be seeing more of him, I promise. Thanks, Ami. Um, I, yeah. I also just uh, moved not from the East Coast. I was in Brooklyn for a little while. From the West Coast. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, not from the West Coast. I was in Brooklyn. We just moved to the suburbs in New Jersey as well. So that's definitely going to be a topic. Ami and I are going to be discussing how that adjustment is going, um, how you deal with kind of crushed dreams. Um, <laughs> and uh, what but Ami? Ami is... Um, Ami uh, has the soul of an SNL performer that was born, unfortunately, in a modern Orthodox boy's body. Um, <laughs> he's incredibly talented, incredibly funny, um, an, uh, an amazing musician, um, just an amazing storyteller and great to be around. Um, and he's, uh, you know, found a lot of success composing for commercials and I think film and TV. And he started a band in L.A. that's done very, very well. And he's kind of in the very top percentage of people who have been able to make a career, a real career, um, out of music. Um, and he just recently sort of went out of his comfort zone and started performing. Uh, he's, he did that on TikTok. Um, and he had sort of a viral video pretty much off the bat. Um, and he has been trying now very diligently to build that audience and, and try to take a go as that sort of SNL performer part of his brain, and it comes very naturally to him, and he's just trying to, to figure out the rest of it. Um, and, and yeah, how's that? Thanks, Mikey. Now, to clarify, I've been performing as a musician for 15 years, but on the comedy side of things, right. I began doing a lot of, over the last 18 months, com like, comedy for me was always this neglected child of mine, where I ha it was part of me, 
and I knew that I had like abilities and skills in it, but I put all my attention on the first child, which was music. And I was performing in bands and over the years. And then I, with my band Distant Cousins in LA, we've been very busy and active. And I've been very comfortable in that arena, performing on stage with a bass guitar, other instruments, singing and performing with a band. But comedy, that started basically in January of 2020, I started posting on, I decided to, to look at social media and say, okay, TikTok's this kind of newish thing. Not everybody knew about it yet. I'm going to treat it differently and just start posting every single day five days a week, uh, take off for the weekends. I'm Shomer Chavez. We both are. Um, and that kind of led me on this whole journey all the way to where I am now, where I'm kind of now equal parts comedian, equal parts musician, but not in comfort and uh, uh, experience yet. So I'm really tackling the stand-up now, which is taking all the comedic content I've done in sort of the sketch video world, that is social media entertainment, and hitting up open mics and getting on stage and working out this act. And it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary, and I look forward to it. And I think something we're both working on is kind of saying the thing that only we can say mm -hmm. and hoping we find people who want to hear it um, and taking that risk of maybe there's not someone who wants to hear it. Um, so I'm trying to do that with my writing. I'm, I'm going to try to do that more with, with my writing and performing a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's something I will probably discuss yeah, as well. Definitely part of this podcast is going to be both of us giving each other feedback and me guilting Michael for things I think he I want him to do more of, which he, he likes guilt. That's like a Michael gets off on a little bit of a little bit. feedback. <laughs> I, I'm the opposite, me. but at the same time I hear it. I like the feedback as the constructive stuff is helpful. Now, Michael's the, you know, I'm going to say, because you were like, well, you said something interesting before when we were talking about, um, we were talking about, when I said it just takes hard work and like if people are willing to pull in the work, you can do it. And you're like, well, no, cause it takes time to figure out what it is first. But I, right. Yeah. 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 But what do you mean by that? Well, in, in, I used to work, um, in, in the startup world also. And in the startup world, they call it product market fit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you sort of raise a little bit of money while you experiment different, different things. And, and once you find the product that a market wants, they call that product market fit. Basically when you find a thing that works, that's when you raise kind of your series B. You raise like $50 million and mm -hmm. you're like, now we know what works and we know how to do it. Now we have an engine. The more money we put into it, the more money we're going to get out of it. Mm. But until you find that product market fit, until you find that message or that itch people want you to scratch, um, you don't really have an audience. Right. Um, and so like putting, stepping on the gas isn't going to really, you're just going to be swerving really fast instead of really and, and let me going, ask you this: going nowhere. Before you find that market fit, what do you do before that? Well, you have to experiment, right? Yeah, yeah you have to experiment. And experimenting means putting stuff out there. So you're not really disagreeing with me. It doesn't mean sitting right. on things well, in your head. But but I, I guess you I, see where mean, I'm going? I, I think every I think if everybody in the world ex could experiment for long enough, they would find the one thing that only they could say. Mm -hmm. I don't know everyone that everyone is going to find the one thing they want to but say within I, their lifetime. Let's just say for people who aren't, who are in the creative endeavors, mm -hmm. whatever it is, writing, music, comedy, uh, whatever it may be, uh, artists, all the, all those, all, all those types of people who want to build an audience. Wouldn't you say a lot of people's main problem is not, is thinking and not doing. Um, thinking, 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 pondering, planning and not doing. Because I, I think so. I don't know. I mean, in, in, in the TikTok space, sure, because there's, there's no cost at just putting out garbage mm -hmm. as much as you want. Um, 
And this is I the Gary. Know. This is the Gary V thing. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I, I parody Gary V all the time for people specifically like, with social media. Yeah, sure. sure yeah, sure. But not just social media. Every everything has their outlet. It just takes a little bit of creativity to figure out what the outlet is for what for what you do. I mean, do. with like the with the short film I made, I think I, I I should have spent more time thinking and planning and less time doing. Not necessarily. I'll tell you why. And I did it, and that's what I think. <laughs> no, but if you look at it more like that short film was what it could be at the moment, you did the best you could do, and maybe it's not the thing. Maybe you just had expectations for it that were too that were too high, mm-hmm. and therefore, like you want nice this one to thing to be the it. thing. But rather, the movie that you made, Michael made this movie called Rudzin, mm-hmm. called Rudzin, and it was like the first real physical manifested creative endeavor, right? That start to finish, you did. Uh, and it was a, it was a, sure. how long was it? Uh, it was like it ended up being ten minutes. It's a ten minute short film, but you shot on location in Ukraine. It's about yeah. a, it's about a fictional Hasidic community with ancient wisdom. That's the what's the premise of it? Like this, um, this sort of like uh, uh, Shangri La hidden town that that's been a myth for a long time, mm-hmm. and this guy who's in Poland trying to take advantage of these really desperate Jews right. finds this location and has to decide: Am I going to go find this mythical place? Um, or am I going to go back home to safety? Right. If but you're saying you should premise. have spent more time in it before it was ready? Why? Um, well, I'm getting I mean, to something here, but I, I do want to hear it. I have an impulse to just go out and, and do it because I'm very eager to like see something mm-hmm. physical and concrete. Um, I think with large, expensive projects, the the real geniuses are the ones who know how to plan the best and the ones who can plan it perfectly and then execute it perfectly. Nobody um, does it that way though. That does, that, I don't think that's how it works at all. What they do is they make rods in, they learn about all the things they screwed up on and on the next film they don't do those well, things right, or they right. do them less. Right, one of the things I screwed up on was, was not planning well enough. <laughs> right. So then the next movie you make sure. and the next thing is like I got better at making movies. How? Because the first one, oh, everyone's got their stories. I have my stories. Oh, we paid all these musicians and we had, we did all these things. We went to the wrong and we made this music video and we hired this person and that person and it was all a mistake. But that doesn't mean like, but I didn't like wait for that same exact endeavor to like repurpose or like, I'm glad I put it out mm-hmm. and the way it sounds and I have stuff out there that's a little cringy or like I would change, but it's more about the growth. Like you, you have to experience that part of it for each thing to get stronger and stronger. You don't learn anything by not putting out anything. That that I agree with. Keeping the these things in your head till they're perfect yeah. is the enemy of the good. Right. No. Yeah. And, perfect and, is the and, enemy and of the good. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm you that, just I'm mean like you have trouble with things not living up to a standard in your vision. No. No. That's that's not even what I mean. Um, e- even even with a TikTok video that I make, um, like there's there's a there's a depth. Putting it out there could come from a place of laziness mm-hmm. or from a place of like urgency to like learn quicker. Mm-hmm. If it's for me, it comes from a place of laziness where I'm like, I I know if if I if I spend enough, if I go back and edit the subtitle so it actually appears a second earlier, it it works better. It's funnier. Right. But I really just want to press publish. I see. So there's really okay. So there's an issue there too, which is putting in the work. That's what I'm talking about. The work. When I said it takes the hard work, that's the discomfort. Like you have to have your threshold of of quality. You do. You don't want to put out something you know is like if if you like, there's 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 a fine line between like perfectionism mm-hmm. versus like your base level. Like, well, this could be better. I have an idea. I could do this. But if, if the only thing stopping you is it takes a little more work, yeah, that base level needs to. So that's that's something yeah. to work on. Like yeah. I need a I need a I need to have I'm a little more grit that. and resilience to do that. Right. I'm working on that. But you should never get to a point where you're like yeah and just overthink to the point where nothing gets shared and posted. Gary V says I make fun of him all the time. As and for anyone who follows me on TikTok knows CEO of Gary V Impressions, all that stuff. But most of the stuff he says is pretty true. Like in terms of 
it's not it's not quantity over quality. Quantity leads to quality. People ask me all the time, Gary, should I post? Should I do? He's like, honestly, I should real shit. Quantity leads to quality. The more you do it with each one, yeah. you should tr like, so what I mean, my whole point in this whole series of questions is that there is this mentality and I've seen it so much of thinking, 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 wondering, wondering. And instead you have to be constantly putting stuff out and seeing what works and you're gathering information with each failed video or flop you're getting a sense of like, it's like the Edison thing. I, I haven't failed. I just know 50 ways that don't work. But yeah. it's hard to do that when you don't know what to do. Obviously, once I found the kind of groove right. that, that worked for me on TikTok, yeah. I was like, that gave me a whole channel of tunnel vision of like, I'm going to focus and lean in and see. So I get it to get it, to that point. But you can't get to that point without without right. doing stuff. But it's hard. It's easier. Maybe I could say it like this. It's easier to learn when you when you believe you've done your absolute best with each thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can learn from that. If you haven't done your absolute best, then then the reason it didn't work is because I was actually lazy about that thing. Like I should just try harder next time. You always describe it to like a fault on your end of like something you've Yeah, but if you know like this is my best and it didn't work. Let yeah, me learning when to sort of how. call it is a hard thing. Yeah. Um, but if you can't think of anything else, then you're probably done. Well, like, but we, you could say I could definitely put subtitles yeah. that would help. Do it. But after a certain point you're watching it, you're like, good, I laughed initially. I've watched it a thousand times. It's ready to go. Yeah. And then your instincts get sharper with that too. Like, this is good. You'll right. know when ready is done. It's like cooking. You you know when the steak is finished, the more you cook the steak. Right. Like, just by touch. Right. At first, How you have to put the th thermometer in. You have to think about it. But the output and the actions, I just think there's too much inaction yeah. in creative endeavors and yeah. too much and wait and, and thinking and not enough doing. So, speaking of, you went to the city to try out new oh. material last night? Yesterday, during the day. Yeah. <laughs> it was a daytime open mic? Yeah. Night. They're all daytimes, a lot of them, yeah. because the nighttimes are for shows. Yeah, uh, so uh, so it's just comedians who are literally like people who are doing it full time. Yeah, huh. or no, they have day jobs and they they squeeze in an open mic huh, okay. to come in. I've learned a little huh. bit about in the comedy world. Tell me comedians will know this, but the open mic world. There's a fascinating question I always had for comedians as a musician. When you're a musician and you're putting together a show, you rehearse. You get together with your band or whatever it is, and you work everything out beforehand, and you rehearse until it's tight. And you're like, this is going to be great. And, it, you, and, and this is this is ready to go. I'll, and if it's if, even if you have a bad show or whatever, you prepared. And you did everything you could do in advance. And then I'm working out comedy stuff and writing material on a daily basis. That's part of the work. It's just like being being consistent about it. That's what I've learned in doing TikTok stuff is above all else, everyone's like, here's how to do it, strategy, what kinds of videos. It's like, no, first consistency. It's like first just be showing up at the gym every day. Don't, don't know what kind of exactly finessing to do people are trying to get to 10,000 how to get to these kinds of subscribers all that stuff the consistency is important so once I started writing stuff down in terms of bits and ideas I'm like I got I wrote on a like a whiteboard next to me stand up and I had to do it mm -hmm. and it was uncomfortable but you discover the scene of the open mic scene of clubs that run open mics mm -hmm. and the purpose of them it's not to get up in front of like patrons and entertain them it's to work your stuff out the only way a comedian can rehearse is to do it in front of people and that's the pain of comedy music offers you a little bit more protection and you can get up there and there's a little bit of a mystery with music not everybody knows if they're enjoying it or not like you you have protection with music yeah. that with comedy you're just exposed and part of it is exposure therapy to the discomfort of rejection being spotlit not knowing exactly what to do like winging it mm -hmm. you need that like, like open mics and things like that like comedy requires this exposure therapy that i'm learning about which is like just being up there because part of your funniest moments can be your loosest moments you saw a set of mine yeah. and the stuff where i was loose in the beginning was actually funnier than the prepped jokes i had way written. funnier 
I actually believe in the power of writing, but you have to bring your writing to the point where it's loose. And I know that. But the only way to do it, and it's like, it's just one of those things you have to accept, is getting up in front of people. And at Open Mics, it's other comics. So you can imagine it's not the most accurate audience in terms of read because everyone's waiting to do their stuff. Right. But it's good training because I've done stuff at Open Mics. And then the second you get in front of a real audience, which happened when I first arrived here, you came with me, it was like, oh, this is this is. Much they actually e- want to laugh. This is easier. They want to laugh. I don't know if it'll always be that way, but I'm learning as I go and as I go through this journey. So I, I when I got to the East Coast from, I had been doing open. You had stuff. like a, a warm up guy, also basically. You had like a an opener. yeah a host. Yeah. And then he called me up, and yeah. it felt great to be making people real people laugh. And like you ask seasoned comedians, they're like, "Oh yeah, open mics. They don't laugh at open mics. Don't worry about it." Like, but for me, I'm just like, it's all a craziness, you know, because I'm I'm fresh on this side of the aisle. Yeah. In comedy, so yesterday was like, okay, I'm finding an open mic this week because this was like my first full week. We just came off a ton of Jewish holidays. It's been a crazy, crazy season of not real life. And I said, this is the week. The week cannot go by if I do not get into the city and do an open mic. So at my own inconvenience, Props. I drove in from the suburbs. We're living in Jersey here, and. I haven't been in the city for a while, and especially over the last year and a half, it's changed to the point where it's brutal in terms of driving and parking. Yeah, I learned yesterday. I'll, you know, I, I, I'm just making those classic mistakes when you move to a new town. Even though I'm from here, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm now new because it's been so long coming from LA and just not knowing yeah. the ropes of what it's currently like. I just got my ass kicked by New York City yesterday. Yeah, brutalized, like trying to drive around and like you find yourself. And you where were you? I went down. To, just such an idiot i drove drove with my car down to midtown in the 30s yeah well what else are you gonna do a park park by the heights and take a subway i haven't been on a subway since but everyone's like don't take the subway so i don't know i don't i'm not here um and everyone's like don't take the subways they're not safe anymore i don't know if that that's that can't be true true. people people talk about it parents say that don't take the subways (laughs) it's really dangerous people are getting pushed they're getting their you know their cell phones taken anyway what i mean is what i mean is lesson like you know Rookie error. Don't drive down to Midtown in the middle of the day. You, Why? You There's no parking. You literally can't park a car. You You're cannot park to. a car. Yeah. It's all commercial parking. Yeah. Everywhere. I think in the back in the day there used to be stuff you could you meters. Yeah, I I had days Tell like me. that when I moved here. Yes. And so I know I know what you it's a learning curve. And um, I'm like because I also I was like, it can't be that there's no spots. Yeah. There has to be and some it turns spots. out there. If you're not a commercial vehicle, (laughs) and then you see these cars that don't look like commercial vehicles, they're all parked in fine, but they probably are. They have like a yellow license, right? Right. And I'm like, take a chance. And like, and then I'm I'm like, I I get there early and I'm running late. Like I get to the city early by my standards. I just want to get some lunch. Freak out at Mr. Broadway. What do you do? Okay. I just want to get a freaking salad because I'm trying to eat healthy. So there's not many options, and I'm driving around the same block a thousand times, and like 45 minutes have gone by, and I'm in the same area. And I'm getting, my soul is getting crushed. (laughs) And I just find a lot. And I get into the lot. And and, and it's New York City. When you come from L.A. after a while, it's just like there's a lot of, hey, oh, hey, hey, hey. Come on. Okay, come on, come on. Let's go. What are you doing? Stop, stop, And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. Why am I getting? You're getting just dicked around by the city. I'm tripping at a thing. You're at a red light and people are honking. You're like, what? I'm I'm allowed to go through this red light? Yeah, yeah. And then we go into the parking area. I get up to the top of the parking area, and the guy, I'm like, can you park for me? Because I'm like in a rush now, and I had to drive. I drive up, no spots, no spots. Yeah. And in these parking areas now, the lots, yeah, it's green light, red light for the same lanes for cars to go down or the same ones to go up. You have to wait for the light, oh. and then they pause a car up there. That's kind of nice. No, because when you're late, 
in LA, you drive into a parking lot, you find a spot. Like it's not like the parking in LA is great either. Yeah. But like you want to, it's not as congested. And this is yeah. The people talk about the traffic in LA. Yeah. This is like another level. All the restaurants now are outside, so they push the streets to yeah, this like that's one also lane. Sucks. Yeah. And now it's all commercial. So I get into this lot and I finally get to the top, which is like very slowly because I'm like I'm gonna crash my car today. Yeah. Like it's gonna be one of those days. Like the car's gonna get totally sideswiped yeah. by myself and it'll be my and fault. And you just decide if 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 I do, I just keep driving. It's something I don't like deal with it. Now. I get to the top. <laughs> And he's like, they send you up here? Because there's like, no spots. He goes, uh, he goes, and then this guy looks at me and goes, they send you up here? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I fucking hate my job. I hate, no, he said, fucking hate this job. I fucking hate this job. I'll take care of you, man. I'll take care of you. That same guy, when I picked my car up later, was like, whoa, hey, what are you doing? Because I, I just got a lot of that. Yeah. Then I go down. And, and, you, I, and you just feel like a little kid. Yeah. It's, it's I feel like I did. Like, I want to be like, mommy, uh, uh, I want to call my parents. And now you're going to go Can you come get me? I don't know where the car is. I don't know where I am. <laughs> yes, I feel like a tiny child. Right. <laughs> then I get to this open mic that I'm going to for the first time. I don't know, like, where things are. Yeah. I just walk into this club. They're all during the day. Yeah. A lot of them. There's some at night, uh, 7 p.m. or something like that. But they're for the they're, they're at the clubs before the shows start. Yeah, that's when um, I thought they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, too. But then they have day, day slots, too, where somebody hosts and runs it. And a few comics And go. you, like, had signed up before? Or you, you registered before. Yeah, you pay like five bucks. If you didn't show up, it didn't matter though. No, if you do show up, it's bad. If you don't show up, it's bad. Yeah, and like you, you're getting slots online, and like you'll get a message like from the club, hey, no show. Like it's not, it's not, not cool to do that. Okay. Because you're taking somebody's spot. So someone's waiting for you, basically. Sort of, yeah. I mean, they'll check afterwards. Somebody didn't show. We had a name, and just you build build up a bad name for yourself if you don't show up. One no show is fine, but I walk in. I don't know anybody. There's like a person by the door, and this is classic L.A. to New York move interaction. So I don't know who's who or whatnot. I walk in, I go downstairs, there's some woman by the thing doing this, filling out things. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm walking down, hello. And she, I'm like, hello, hi, I'm Ami. She goes, okay. <laughs> I go down the stairs. In LA, you'd say, hi, I'm Ami. Hey, I'm Casey. Nice to see you. And it's in the back. So this is New York. In New York, you walk downstairs, hi. And she like looks up like me. Like I say it way, with way too much enthusiasm because I think she's somebody. Right, that, that's, it's the enthusiasm. Yeah, I'm like, hi, <laughs> I'm Ami, and she goes, okay. <laughs> Open mics over there, and she goes back to her business. I'm like, welcome to New York City. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, that, and I'm supposed to, to know this stuff. I'm from here. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Hi, I'm just. I, I don't even know. And she just goes, okay. You're supposed. <laughs> she to, doesn't say her name. You're supposed to walk in silently and look around to see if you first can do it without talking to anyone. Yeah, and before I get the information, like, you know, she knows why I'm there, but I don't. If, if you, if you also, I, I thought, I thought she was the person someone. that was booking the open mic, so right. I was like trying to say I'm here, but right, she's right, not. Right. She was just like, right. And I'm like, oh yeah, wow, it's yeah. uh, you don't notice those things when you're like living in New York all this time, like when people. But I'm I'm feeling what it feels like to be an out of towner in New York, even though I'm native to the East mm -hmm. Coast and went to the city. Right. I really have been oh, away. When I when I visited you in LA and I walked into Coffee Bean for the second day in a row. Yeah. I was standing at the other line. The guy at the counter went, "Hey, welcome back!" And I, I was like, "Don't talk to me. Don't you dare <laughs> so talk you to me." So you have like it you ingrained. This woman, I'll never get over. She was like, she didn't say your name back to me. Hi, I'm Ami. Okay, <laughs> it's just it was amazing. Anyway, yeah. So I did go in, and I'm just, a, I'm happy that I, I felt good about myself having done it because I knew the routine had to start. And I'm like, I'll never do it this way again. I went back to the lot. Forty five dollars for a half an yeah. hour. My that's day a, cost me a like a hundred bucks from between lunch, parking, and this well, and that. Well, ninety-five because you got. Oh, you know you paid five to get on. No, that fine, fine. No, forty-five. It was forty-five for the parking, yeah. and then like lunch was ridiculous because it's the city. Costs like thirty dollars yeah. for a kosher salad. Forty-five for half an hour is a lot. Anywhere. I was like, I said, I thought, and the sign outside says up to a half hour is ten. It said something deceiving, uh. and they were like first two hours. I'm like outside. But I thought first half hour was uh, ten bucks. He goes first two hours. Yeah, something. First that two hours. He just repeats and, it, and I'm like. 
but yeah. but and he's like trying to drive away to park another car. I'm like, you said there's a sign outside that says first half hour is ten bucks. He goes, first two hours. And you're like, oh right, first two hours. <laughs> right, right. And right. I'm like, I am getting raped by this city. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. I just ate it. I had to do it that way. Yeah. And then I'm like driving back. I tried learn. to drive back. It's like four o'clock. Uh well. I waited in my car doing some phone stuff, and uh, then it was like five, and I got totally, totally yeah. fucked. I was like trying to get out of the city, and it took two hours to get home, yeah. which normally can take 30 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, what hap- What is happening here? Yeah. And it was just like gridlock upon gridlock where you're just moving like, like this. Yeah, where it takes half an hour to get down to one street. It wasn't always like that. You could get out of no, the city re- on the west side of things, really not bad. the east side. It's really bad now because of COVID. Everyone... A lot of people moved out of the city are now yes. driving in. Yeah, two people are taking public transportation. Yeah, no one's in the no, subways really as much. Awful. During COVID, it was amazing, edenic. It was incredible. What a word! I, I stopped. I never heard that word before. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a Harry Rosenberg word. Edenic, edenic. is yeah. it a real word? Like Garden yeah. of yeah, Eden, like Garden Paradise? Of Eden. Yeah, yeah. Edenic. I stopped. Word of the day on the podcast. <laughs> word of the day. Edenic. Word. I stopped and I could hear my tire screeching echoing off the buildings. It was that empty. It was amazing. Yeah, that's an amazing that's a trip. It's it's awful. It's awful. I have to drive in for my work. I drive in during rush hour. Because there's there's also now a rush hour to get into the city for some reason at night. And then I'm driving back during rush hour into New Jersey. It's 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 I was thinking to myself, there was a lot of moments where everyone's almost just hitting each other on the roads where you're just like trying to get around somebody and almost hitting each other. Everyone's like getting it. And then everyone's just like it's just constant honk. Super congested. It was a nightmare. I finally did get home and I was like, this will be the early days reflections on my comedy journey. They'll be like, oh my God, I drove hours to do five minutes. But I know that's what it takes. What are you gonna do next time? So I have to figure this out. And I'm like, do I bike over the bridge Mm-mm. lock my bike and take a subway down someone does but not you <laughs> yeah but I, I don't while it's warm but then i'm like what about an electric bike i don't think that's what you do why i, I just don't think you're gonna do that that would be good because i want to get my exercise in i feel like that would feel really good it's not gonna last because it's gonna get cold that'd be nice um, biking what if i bike over the bridge get into that it, it sounds ambitious i think, honestly, I think you take the bus yeah but I then i then i looked then i looked then i looked at um Whatchamacallit? I looked at, uh, uh, what was I thinking? This is a fun conversation. No, 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 it was. Oh, electric bikes online. They're like way expensive, but they look glorious. They just yeah, look really fun. I have one, actually. Do you have an electric bike? Yeah. At home? Do you use it? <sighs> I never, I've never used it once. Why? I've never used it once. Doesn't I it feel it, glorious with a little engine? Between. Show I me never, the engine! I've never gotten it to work. I, I'm going to start using it. I got it. I bought it to go in between uh, apartment showings. Yeah. Um, and the tire was flat and the chain was broken. Oh, electric vehicles are anymore. electric, like like scooters and stuff. They feel so fun. I like to, a kid. I need to play with it. Let but me hear the engine. The you ever hear that guy on a NASA on TikTok? No. He walks up to people in the car and he just looks over and he goes, excuse me. And they think they're going to be some sketchy. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? Fuckable, do you think I am? <laughs> and they just start laughing. Honestly, do you know where I can get some booger sugar? Thinking, and he goes, I love your car. Let me hear the engine. Yes. NASA or something on TikTok. Very funny guy. Nice. But anyway, I want one, but I will never use I don't know if I'll use it. I, I think the move is a bus where, where, where if I'm going to do an open mic, I don't drive in for the open mic. I go to the city for a day. Right. I park somewhere it, like right. Upper West Side, find a you spot, do whatever. To do, in the city do everything I need to do, day. take meetings, whatever it is, hit the open mics, come back at the end of the day. That's definitely another Not option. going at three o'clock for a thing. It was a nightmare. Definitely an option. And maybe take the um, bus. So I'm on feet the whole time and I'm fine with that because yeah. being on foot in the city, I always felt was way more advantageous than the car situation. And if you have to take so a subway, you take a subway. The bike I was thinking, I got excited. I'm like, maybe that'll be my exercise bundled in. I don't yeah. think it lasts. But I got, I got, um, 
when I first moved to Brooklyn, I got a membership to the YMCA. That was a bike ride away. Mm-hmm. It's like it's perfect. I'll bike there. I'll get that exercise. I'll work out. Yeah. Then I'll bike back. It'll you be amazing. The only time I went there, I, I biked there to cancel my membership <laughs> and then bike back. <laughs> Something about biking. I feel like either you're a cyclist or you're not. But you know. And then yeah. I see guys doing it, and I know what would happen. I would start doing it. I'd be like, Do I need to buy the gear, like the ball sack shorts, and so I don't chafe? Sweaty. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, I what hear if that. You're not in the mood to bike back at the end. Yeah, I know. You say, what if it's raining? That's why electric would be amazing. How good would that? How, how you know how accomplished I would feel if I biked to the city yeah, and but back? I don't think you'll ever do it on an electric bike. I don't would think be you'll ever do it. You want to make a bet, a wager on the podcast? I don't think I'm going to do it either. But I need a strategy, <laughs> and there needs yeah. to be city days. The other strategy is going it. in at night for open mics that are earlier in the day. Yeah. Like seven p.m. slot is hard with kids, yeah. no, but it's, it's, there are later yeah. ones. I'm like, I'm never doing a day one unless yeah. I'm doing an early day no, in the you city. You go in at eleven a.m. when there's less traffic. Yeah. You park and you spend the day there, and you come back. At like have some lunch, meet somebody. You meet someone for dinner, and you come back at like eight or nine if you can, and have a full day's worth. But I want to be. The problem is. I want to be doing these kind of, kind of nightly, which is crazy. Yeah, you have to be, don't you, if you yes. want to be taking it seriously. And getting good, so it's hard to figure out. There's no, like, Jersey open mics. But anyway. There's no Jersey open mics? I'm sure there's something. But the point is, there's the next stage, the way it works, is like, you have your open mics, then you have bringer shows. The bringer shows, <laughs> the next stage is, if you tell a club I can bring five to ten people, you right. can get five minutes, seven <laughs> minutes. All that being said, you've already gotten ten minutes on stage at a show. I did, like, seven, I think. At the Brooklyn yeah. Comedy Club? I mean, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 no, it's happening. And I think bringer shows, look, I'm not I'm not new to the stage. I have some advantages to this that uh, yeah. maybe uh, people who've never performed at all. So I have my sense of rhythm and timing. It's just building up the material and working it out and just honestly doing it all the time, mm-hmm. which is going to be interesting and challenging, but I look forward to it. Because I'm not at the point yet where I can really enjoy it. You know, it's a stress. Right. But I wonder what it will feel like when I, when I like, murder. Right. Hopefully. Yeah, right into the veins. <laughs> a murder. I don't know, like, because also I'm missing music a lot because my band is in LA, based in LA, and we're playing in November. So this is a long stretch. COVID plus this, it's been a really long time since we really played consistently. So we're hopefully getting back into that. But music is really like sacred to me. I've been doing yeah. it for so long, and it's very much at a at a. It's hard to have one element of performance that is on that is in a certain space of comfort, and mm-hmm. another one that is so raw. Right. So the enjoyment level is just way different. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the analogy is, but I'm like. I can I can let go musically on stage in a way that I can just be there and enjoy the moment. Whereas right. with comedy, it's like it's I'm so fresh yeah. to it. Yeah. It's a new, like a new sport I'm playing. Like yeah. I just have to learn all the technique first. I can't just like enjoy. It's like an expert play guy who plays hockey. It's like can just have fun. And with bas- and he can't play basketball. Also, right. it's not fun yet. You right. know, it's right, right. it's more work. Which yeah. is, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I look forward to that. I look forward to it too. Are we at three hours yet? Where are we, Michael? I think for episode one. Did we hit three? We hit a good solid Whatever. hour, yeah. and it flew by, Pretty good. and it actually didn't feel that weird. No, not at all. I, think, I hope it didn't feel weird for all of I you. I think next time we maybe do less politics. Maybe. Maybe. Cause that, or, or you can say to yourself, I don't need to watch Rogan and Dylan and everything. They'll mm-hmm. just repeat everything they say to themselves. Oh, between us? Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe we could save people time that way. <laughs> just or repeating the or we, we could just not think about it that much and just keep making stuff, and we'll see what works. You see, Michael's too busy playing for the Olympics. I'm training daily. <laughs> okay? That's the difference here. Okay? And maybe we'll find a way to meet in the middle. Michael trains for the Olympics, where it's every four years, big shot, boom. True. And I'm training daily, like I'm in the freaking NBA seasonal. I'm work. I'm working on. What's going, the latest? I'm working. No, I'm, I'm, I need to do more. Uh, it's a longer conversation. I need to figure out if I'm the kind of guy who has a good idea every five years and just pursues it doggedly, mm-hmm. or I have okay ideas that I just try and sell and have a working career. Mm-hmm. On the writing side. Of on the writing side, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't know until you try both. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I've been also writing can only get it's like if you write every day, right? And, yeah, and, are, yeah. so and, I, and I, get feedback I, I in some write. form every day. I you do write every day. Every day? We, we're doing and 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 when I don't, I do this thirty days of something, which we're maybe we can we can end on, which this uh, private yeah. Facebook group. If anyone wants to join, uh, get in touch. Where everyone commits to posting some progress on some project every day for thirty days, and you and you're, you're just you're just uh, you're committed to everyone else's commitment. So if you don't post, it's a little embarrassing. Or you can um, get kicked out of the group. But he starts. You could get kicked out uh, theoretically this uh, honestly to be honest got me probably started on making yeah. content in, in uh, daily because Michael started this Facebook group 30 days of something commits you every single day to post to the group and it forces you to do it no matter how comfortable already you feel so you right. end up posting and you get into a really good regimen and it used to be right. that if it's you you get kicked out each each round it goes in rounds it's not one group all the time you start new rounds right 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 you so, start a brand yeah, new so group if if you miss a day well we we do, we it we've tried different ways we we did uh, sixty days of something I think we ended up on thirty days weekends optional is mm -hmm. is a good formula yeah. it should be that if you miss a day you get kicked out. But the issue with that really is, is does that motivate people or just discourage people? And oh. I found it doesn't actually motivate anyone right. to do it. If they're going to miss, they're going to miss. Right. And then they'll be the only ones who didn't show up, like a class or something. And yeah, you don't want to be the and, guy without your assignment. They just don't get the, the benefit of it. Maybe um, if you threw like a Zoom call at the end of it for everyone to talk about their stuff, then they'd be like, don't oh, you want to show oh, up? Oh, you can't be in it if you don't. Oh, or if nice. you don't have anything to show for it. Right. You can be in it, but you'll be like, anyway, so we'll skip over that's such and such. That's a nice idea, actually. Then it makes the... Yeah, maybe, maybe we can we'll really build that. a community. Yeah. I will tell you, this being forced into this regimen and having some accountability, setting yourself up for that, is an amazing way of getting you yourself to do things. Mm. Part of the creative... like. Uh, struggle is just how to get yourself to do things. Yeah. Without right. just will alone. Will yeah. is not enough. You've got to set yourself up. So 30 days of something. Michael started it. Each one is a brand new group from scratch. Um, each time you do it? It's there's some people, some new people, some fewer people. Not the same time, people, but, but like when you start the Facebook group link, do you just new, restart a new group? And it's call a it? new group from scratch. All right. Yeah. So Michael starts the group. If you'd like to be on it, um, we don't have an email yet for this podcast, but we'll figure something yeah, out. Maybe comment or something. Yeah, and we'll, maybe we'll put a link in this description um, to 30 Days of Something to join for the different rounds. Yeah. He does one in the fall, in the summer. They're reoccurring. Yeah, but they're one, very cool. You, you, if you're writing a story, just post one word. If you're working on art, just post one idea or whatever it is. Um, just something, because if you're not working on it every every day, then what are you doing? Exactly. Really, that's the that's the idea. So I think we can call it. That Let's was an it. awesome conversation, as always. Uh, I am Ami Kozak, also known as AJ Comedy on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, a lot of comedy impressions and music there. And this is my co-host, Michael Weber. I'm at uh, M M Weber on Instagram. It's probably the best place to to find me. M W E B R. There's also Instagram. a doctor on TikTok, right? Oh, and uh, Dr. Harvey Karp on, on, on Instagram as well. Um, he's a baby expert. He's a baby. <laughs> Check it out, Dr. Harvey Karp. We'll, put, we'll try to put links to everything there. Thank you guys for watching. This is episode one of Buckle Up! Buckle Up. Buckle Up, baby. <laughs>